Thank you so much to our worship team, especially to Dr. Tim Deaton for our hymnology uh, 101 class today. Thank you, Tim, to Wayne and Dale for leading us today. It's so good to see you this morning, and I welcome you in Jesus' name. We're glad to have you, and I welcome you and do wish you a merry, merry Christmas. God bless you for being here today. And if you are a visitor, and we do have first-time guests with us today, Please know of our joy that you've come here today. And we want you to fill out a visitor's card as hard as that is. Do it for me, please. And put it in the offering plate. Or as Kevin already said, give it to somebody that looks like they know what they're doing. And I would like to have uh, contact with you. And so, please do that. Wouldn't you agree that we are a blessed people? Somebody say amen, please. Amen. We are a blessed people. And let me tell you how you are blessed. If you have a Bible today, then you are better off than over one billion people in this world today who have no access to the printed Word of God. If you have more health than you have illness, then you are better off than the one million who will die this week. If you have ever been, if you are free from the danger of battle, imprisonment, torture, or starvation, you're better off than 500 million in the world today. If you've, as you have today, come to church without fear of harassment, persecution, or imprisonment, then you're better off today than at least one billion people on this globe. If there is food in your refrigerator, a roof over your head, clothes on your back, a place in which to sleep, you are better off than 75% of this world. If you have money in the bank and a little money in your pocket or billfold or purse, then you're among the 8% richest people in the world. If you have a smile on your face today and you're truly thankful, you're blessed because the majority can, but the majority do not have a smile on their face. If you prayed yesterday and even today, you're in the minority because... You believe in God's willingness to hear and answer prayer. And most don't even believe that today. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you are in a small minority in this world. You are blessed. So I hope that little list helps you understand how blessed you really are. I've used a phrase before, uh, excuse me, a list of phrases before that I want you to put up on the uh, screen for us today. I used this several weeks ago and it's going to form a part of my message today. It's not the Apostles' Creed, but it's the Frank Page version of why I believe in Jesus. Why do I believe in Jesus? Because he is the prophetically predicted he is virgin born. He is pure living. 
He is vicarious dying. He is bodily resurrected, gloriously ascended, soon to return. He presently interceding, soon to return, Son of God. I want you to kind of remember that. And we've put it out on a little paper. I think there's a few left in the foyer as you leave today. But I want you to know why I love Christmas. It's because I love Jesus. And we're going to focus on a few of these statements even here today. Why do we exist? We exist to love him as we lead others to that same love. I believe God's greatest blessing, his greatest gift is often overlooked at Christmas time. We need to concentrate on that gift. And so I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to focus on about three verses in the book of Isaiah and a few others throughout the scripture today. But we begin with focusing on the gift that is beautifully stated in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Do you remember the first part of my little phrase? I believe in Jesus. He was what? Prophetically predicted. One thing that I like to point out to people particularly outside the faith is there are over 300 Old Testament prophecies about who Jesus was to be, about where he would be born, about where he would grow up, about what he would do. Over 300 prophecies he was prophetically predicted. And perhaps one of the most beautiful is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And what does it say? For a child will be born unto us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What a beautiful, beautiful prophetic prediction. And one of the tragedy of tragedies is so few have properly submitted to who Christ was. We know he was born in the city of Bethlehem. And yes, Tim is right. Wise men later came and said, where is he who was born the king of the Jews? But I challenge you today to ask the question, who is he? Who is this Lord Jesus Christ? Not just where is he? Is he a mythical figure? Some legendary figure who God gave to us so that he might teach us good moral lessons? Yes, he is the most notable figure in all of history. Yes, we would agree that his coming has changed everything. It divided the eras between the old and the new. Even in our uh, using of the calendar, it is referencing before Christ and Anno Domini, not after death, but Anno Domini, Latin for the year of our Lord. Everything rises and falls with Jesus Christ. We know the greatest paintings that ever been painted were painted about him. The greatest music ever written was written about him and referring to him. We know the greatest sculpture, art, and music, all of those come from inspiration about him. The greatest influence the world could ever imagine. He has been the uh, beginning of the greatest philanthropic giving that the world has ever known. Greatest books that have ever written are written about him. 
Who is this son that Isaiah talked about? Who is this son of God that the Jews were looking for? He is prophetically predicted. But we also believe that he is virgin born. God gave us a supernatural son. A supernatural son. He was supernaturally conceived and we believe that he was born of a virgin. Now, to look at that, we look back at Isaiah 7. Just go back to two chapters, 7.14. And what does it say? It says there, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and have a son. And his name will be called what? I taught this to you a week or two ago. Emmanuel. With us is El. With us is Elohim. With us is God. He is God's greatest gift to us. God has given us a supernatural son. I believe in Jesus. He was prophetically predicted. He was virgin born. And that is more than just a creed or a code. He is supposed to come so that we will have a relationship with him. A relationship with a a risen and living Christ. Those who reject the virgin birth and reject most of the miracles that Jesus ever did turn Christ into a pale, powerless, anemic, poor Jesus Christ. He is not just someone who came to give you good feelings. He is not just someone who came to teach you some good moral teachings and living rules. He is the Son of God who came to have a relationship with you. He is supernatural. He is above the rules of nature that he created. Jesus Christ came to be a supernatural Son of God. Second, God has given us a sinless Son. God has given us a sinless Son. Don't we believe that? He tells us, in fact, in Hebrews that Jesus Christ was without sin. In fact, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like we, yet without sin. He refrained from any willful transgression. Remember the statement, I believe in Jesus. He was what? Prophetically predicted, virgin born, pure living son of God. He was sinless. Even Pilate, when he tried him, what did he say? He said, I have examined him in your presence. I have found no fault in him. Even a lost Roman potentate affirmed that Jesus Christ was sinless. I found no fault in this man. Oh, friends, you can find a lot of fault in me, but you'll never find fault in Christ. God gave us a sinless son. God affirmed his sinlessness at his baptism. Do you remember what God said about his son when he came up out of the baptism? Behold, my son, in whom there is no guile. He, he affirmed him even then. He gave the voice of testimony also a second at the transfiguration. Yet again, my son, in whom there is no sin. At the resurrection of Christ, this was a public, a public demonstration of the divine acceptance of the substitutionary death that he would live. Pure living, 
But then third and last, God has given us a son who suffered as our substitute. Who suffered as our substitute. Now, again, what is my little saying? I believe in Jesus. Prophetically predicted. Virgin born. Pure living. Vicarious dying. He died in our place. Isaiah foretold a substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you want to turn to one other place, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. What does it say? He tells us there that Jesus Christ came. He was afflicted. He was oppressed. He did, verse 7, he did not open up his mouth. Led like a lamb to the slaughter. Like a sheep silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away for, because of oppression and judgment. We know that the Lord was pleased to crush him. Verse 10, make him sick. When, he, when you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. So even in Isaiah, we see our Lord Jesus Christ as prophetically predicted that he would die for us. That he would die for us. Perhaps the most famous part of that is in verses 4 and 5. Yet he himself bore our sickness. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken. Struck down by God. Afflicted. He was pierced because of whose transgressions? Ours. Crushed because of our iniquities. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered as a substitute for you and me. So this week, as we sing the carols, as we remember our Lord Jesus Christ born in Bethlehem, we think of that little baby. But that baby was born to die. That baby came for a cause, for a reason. And that reason was to die in your place and in my place. Oh my goodness. Isaiah told about the forecoming substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus The angel told Joseph that the unborn child of Mary was divine. We read about it last week. He would be the savior of his people. Even in our earlier study of the gospel of John, remember? John the baptizer pointed out to Jesus as he was walking down to the Jordan River and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He died a substitutionary by care death for you and me. Jesus himself defined his own purpose that he would be a ransom for many. And as we will study in John 10 coming up soon, he died as the good shepherd, who one who takes care of his sheep. Well, I would describe that as a pretty good gift, wouldn't you? What a savior. A suffering servant, the savior of the world, a good shepherd, one who bore the sins of the world as a ransom for many, I would say that's a great gift. And I ask you, can you imagine a greater one? A supernatural son of God? A sinless son? Our substitute? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Prophetically predicted, virgin born, pure living, Vicarious dying, 
bodily resurrected, gloriously ascended, presently interceding, and soon to return, Son of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. I believe in Jesus. Do you? He did not come to be a part of a creed or a code. He came to have a relationship with you. And I pray that you would receive him, accept him, and let him be not only the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me? Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for your precious word. I thank you that even in the Old Testament, we see a picture of what our Lord Jesus would be like. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, I come and thank you for that precious prophetic prediction. And I pray, God, that right now we would understand why he came. There'd be clear understanding of why he came. Lord, we commit to you our hearts, our lives. We've gathered here today, Father, to remember who you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.